passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. How are you, Wei? Doing all right. How are you? I'm exhausted. I'm really tired today. I'm not going to lie. So uh, bear with me on this show, Wei. You might need to carry me a bit. It's just been one of those days. It was just a lot going on. Uh, I was up super late and then up super early. So it's been a long day. And then I I watched SmackDown. But the highlight is uh, getting to chat with you, Wei. So... Happy to be here. Oh, likewise. Thank you, John. Um, well, hopefully um, this review will pick you back up. Actually, I was, uh, I was downtown today, and I was getting onto the streetcar to come home, and I ran into your significant other. That's right. She told me about it. Um, yes. Did you have your headphones on? I did have my headphones on, and the headphones came out as I, as I said hello to her. That she was getting ult- off right as I was getting on. But that it was is crazy. an ultimate sign of respect. So It thanks, is. John. It is. <laughs> oh, so no conversation was had? Well, it was literally, I, it was like we had seconds as I was getting onto the streetcar as she was getting off the streetcar. So, I mean, it's, we can't really have a conversation right on, in the middle of King Street. It's true. It's true. It's a little awkward even. You know, at that point, should, should you even say hi at all? It's also like these streetcars, everyone just piles onto the street and then it's like people are going single file onto these streetcars and it's just like it's a mad dash as everyone's trying to get in and it's not very efficient either because everyone's got to stop and use their presto cards. So there's a pause, then you move. So if there's a lot of people at this hour, which was like five thirty, six o'clock, it's very congested. You got through it. Do you like the relatively new streetcars in Toronto? Have you been on these? Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, yeah. The whole like si- the whole system of paying like threw me off at the beginning. Like yeah, I was so used to, 
you know, you have change and you go pay for it. And now it's a whole different system. And it took me a bit to adjust. And thank God I got a Presto card where it's idiot proof. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's it's way more convenient. I think it's, you know, it's it's a system that I've seen in many other cities right uh, by now. So I would say Toronto is even a bit late. But um, I think it's great, especially if you're a commuter who goes through their different systems. You know, it's one card for everything. Well, that's our transit system, everybody. Come to Toronto. It's wonderful. No, it sucks, actually. Our transit system is is terrible. It's, it's, it's not perfect, but it's, it's better than it was. Because of the cards? Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, our, our, subway, subway our, our subway system has... Well, our subway lines have increased significantly over the last decade. I mean, it was it was much more primitive have 10, 15 they, years John? ago. How many? How, how has it increased beyond a few stations up up uh, north, northeast? We've northwest. got the Shepherd line. You've got the Go now. That, you can literally get on to a train. That was the past go, decade. That was like the past 20 years. The Shepherd line opened up like, like 02, 03 or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, modern history. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty compared to other cities, we are far far behind in Toronto. Dude, we used to just have the the young university line and that was it and it was there were tons was, of hold areas. On a second. When was that, John? Like in the 1970s? 1960s? No, it was like before like the the Shepherd line before that. What was the subway? Okay, what was the it was two when, lines? When was the Bloor line? Bloor Danforth. When was that created? Well, that's that's what I the Th- that's a young university. Well, yes, we've had the young university, and then yes, the that sucks. Were... I mean, now we're up to four lines, everybody. One, two, three. Not even four. It's three, isn't it? If you don't count the RT, that's terrible for a city as big as Toronto with as many people. Anyway, well, that's why you've got Uber. <laughs> Get to the, that's, uh, why the I, heart. I, that's why I have a job now where I don't have to commute, thankfully. Can I can I rant about uh something? And it's it's me looking foolish, so you'll love this story. I've I was trying to make plans with my friends uh for Wednesday night. So you know, with with my friends, I love my friends, but they're not the quickest to always respond. It's so I have to I have this problem I, all the time with all my friends too. Like you're are different. you are, are are you the planner of amongst your group because that's what I've been designated in, in multiple groups of friends. I am I become the planner. Like I it's either I make plans with everybody or we just will drift apart and not be friends. I feel like there's a certain uh a weight on my shoulders. Is that similar with you? Yeah, I would say I'm naturally somebody who's not a planner because in my life I'm surrounded by so many people who are planners. We've kind of had this conversation before. You're a gold type person, John, and 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 that means you you know you're somebody who who loves to you know plan and you're very on top of things and I and I love that. So I've 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 surrounded myself so much with with uh, people like yourself that it's kind of rubbed off on me. Where I I'm totally with you. Like man, it's the worst trying to like as, as, especially when you get to become an adult and your friends have kids. It's really tough to for everybody to like you know make a concerted effort to say all right at this time I will be here. So, so I send out like a message. This is like on our, on our WhatsApp chat on sometime over the weekend. I'm thinking Saturday or Sunday. I send this message out like Wednesday night. Is everyone around for this? And 24 hours go by. One of the three friends gets back and says, I'm in like, okay, we have now, we have now established a response. So 
Now everyone's on the clock. It's like, okay, now this is the one person gets back. The others are reminded that, okay, now we are going to make a decision. And another 24 hours go by, no response. And at this point, I'm like a little annoyed. It's like, I sent this message out. If you can't go, you can't go. But at least respond. You know what I mean? So now it's Tuesday, okay? I sent this message out Sunday. We have one response. So my one friend sends me a message today saying, hey, I think you and I are the only one in this group chat. I'm like, what are you talking about? And <laughs> I realized that him and I had a separate group chat that was established months ago, and we are not in the overall group chat. So I feel like an idiot because I was like somewhat getting annoyed by this. And I'm telling my friend this. He's like, yeah, I was about to make a snarky comment too. Glad I didn't. I'm like, man, I'm an idiot. So I go. T- so this was like a side chat you created with like, I guess, a different type of heading. Yes. Yes. As you can see, way me and technology today, it was a 10-8 round for technology. Okay. So I go to the main group chat with all four of us. I explain the story. Ha ha. And reiterate these plans. But this is on 24 hours notice. I'm like, this is, this is probably not going to happen. So one of my friends gets back. He says he cannot make it. The other friend is still, still MIA. And this has been 12 hours now. So maybe he just saw all of this and was just laughing from afar, but no response from him either. And now there is another group of friends that I've been trying to set up some plans for. And it was just like we had, we had the time locked down. We had everything ready. And then anyway... Like slight change. And I said, Hey, can we just do this? And no response. And it's been like three hours and it's just like, man, I gotta, I gotta plan my day tomorrow. Can we just get a response? Like it's so easy by text. And I'm someone that when I get a text or something or an email where something is pressing, like it will, it will be on my shoulders. I will not be able to relax until I sort this out. I don't like to leave these things hanging because I keep thinking about it. So that's my own impulse, but someone can meet me halfway here. Just a reasonable response within a time frame. Is that too much to ask? It's not. It's not. I mean, I guess I guess it depends on I would say the vibe of the group too. Like if I know it's gonna take my other friends a long time to get to this venue, because I know you guys are gonna be late anyway, I'm gonna take my sweet time to get late, to be there. Because I don't want to be early. I, I do that too now. I used to always, I'm always the early one. And even if I'm there, like I have one other friend who's pretty punctual. But yeah, I do the same now where I look at the time and I assess, okay, which group is this? And what leeway do I have? And typically it's, I got 15 minutes. Well, I will say, John, like at what point do you feel like it's appropriate to make a phone call? <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm definitely getting there. But then I feel that's almost too pushy because if I emailed you way or I texted you, let's, let's make it more urgency. Text is way more urgent than a email. On the, if on I, the scale of like urgency, uh, I feel like email is like the one I could take the most time with. Yes, like absolutely. That, absolutely. I, I don't think anyone sending an email expects that to be as prompt. Group, but group text, though, to me is, is not that personal. And, and so I put that kind of at a lower level as well. Uh, see, see, I see a WhatsApp, like when it comes to making plans, it's so easy. It's so easy to just give a quick response, but I guess it depends on the subject matter. Yeah, I would I, say so. Like you got you to gotta, you gotta maybe tag the person specifically to put them on the spot. Well, 
I would say if I sent you a text and then 30 minutes later you see I'm phoning you, I think in 2019 it's like, what is wrong with this guy? That would be the response. That's kind of true. But, I mean, if you're looking to make plans for tomorrow, that's, it is kind of urgent. It is. It is urgent. Like we are, it is, it is 10, it is 1030 at night on a Tuesday. And the other problem is though, what if that person just is just waiting to figure out a way to say no, because they don't want to hang out. Well, they approach me to make these plans. So I'm assuming they want, they want to make these plans. So Um, if I get an update, I, I will let everyone know. I had the complete opposite of this because this is, this is the other side of the coin. Okay. And this again, like I'm pretty good at getting back to people. I got the other day, I got the double of a of a text email combo where I got the email and then seconds later I get a text, hey, I just sent you an email. It's like, okay, you are putting my my back against the wall here. This is this is too much. It's like if in case you didn't see the email, I am now cornering you with this t- this text. Yeah, it adds it adds like an extra, you know, layer to that email. Like it's like um you know, it's like an extra type of, like, it's like marking it important. It's like, okay, if you were going to go to the effort of texting me, why did we even bother with the email? Why didn't we just go straight to text at this point? Was it a detailed email? It was rather detailed. Probably more convenient to express via email well, than text. Man, communication, it's just difficult. Yeah, life was so much easier. Phone was... I miss I'm I there's parts of me that love having the convenience of just simply I can type and not have to get on the phone with somebody but there is something I miss about the uh the simplicity of the phone or a face-to-face meeting. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Okay, you're ready to move on. I am yeah. too. So I understand. <laughs> this week on Post Wrestling, we've got lots of shows coming your way. Uh what do we have on Wednesday, Mr. Ting? Wednesday we have the return of the double shot. The the very limited supply of double shots we have left. You will get one of them next uh, tomorrow, and and for the duration of I would say September, because uh, we have a whole season of glow to get through. All ten episodes. We're doing two episodes a week, and I just finished episode four. Uh, if you thought our Doctor Strange interview, uh, review was full of maybe complex. Uh, discussion oh, no. that you did not expect from two pro wrestling podcasters i encourage you all to listen to our review of glow uh season three episodes three and four tomorrow as we tackle the topics of identity uh you know uh repressed uh, sexuality um all sorts of fun stuff i i really look forward to it i can't wait i haven't watched these episodes yet so you're getting me intrigued by these episodes so that'll be wednesday night on the double shot if you're a patron you will get that show also not to look too far ahead but next week on the double shot i'm sure we will tackle some of the Starcast festivities this weekend yeah sure absolutely yeah among those uh, uh a very interesting cm punk panel a john moxley panel what else a john moxley panel uh CM Punk, that's the big one. Mick Foley's doing a show. Dean Malenko's doing a show. Cody Rhodes is doing a show, I believe. Or they're doing a Being the Elite Mailbag show. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Yeah, lots, lots going down. Do, do, what's kind of your, your buzz you sense for this weekend? Is it, is it uh, comparing to Double or Nothing, for instance? Uh, the weekend itself, or you mean the event? Uh, yeah, the weekend as a whole. Does this feel... Yeah. Uh, do you have any FOMO that you're not going to be in Chicago? No, not at all. 
I, I don't think so. Neither I, do I. Yeah, no, I, I, I was happy to, to be there for All In, but I think, you know, the, the trek took a lot out of us, and I feel like... <laughs> By um, our own fault. Our own fault. Our, it's my, my fault, mainly. But, you know, I look forward to, to catching up with all these events uh, from home. But to me, this weekend is, is you know, maybe more more marked, uh, less by, I would say, things like StarCast, and more so about this being AEW's big show before their uh, uh, TV uh, regularly as well. Seeing how, like, um, you know, the whole um, uh, Royal Quest and, and NXT Cardiff uh, maybe festivities, um, you know, feel as they're going head to head somewhat. Are you going to watch anything before? Obviously, you're watching AEW. Do you think you'll watch anything on the Saturday afternoon, whether it be uh, New Japan, NXT UK TakeOver, or the uh, the Punk Show, which is also Saturday afternoon? Of the three, honestly, I feel like the CM Punk panel has most of my interest. Um, so I, I won't actually be available on Saturday afternoon, but I will definitely catch that afterwards. And I look forward to seeing some of the highlights, uh, notable matches from both uh, 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 New Japan and NXT UK shows. I did a poll today about asking people what they're going to watch. I should have included the Punk thing, but I, I just asked if they're going to watch Royal Quest, TakeOver, uh, both or neither. So I got over a thousand people that voted on this. Thirty-two uh, percent are watching Takeover. Fourteen percent are watching New Japan. Eight percent said they'd watch both, uh, but the majority, forty-six percent, are watching neither. Yeah, I would assume as much. You know, I think AEW has a lot of people's attention, and something like NXT UK simply is is not to, so much on people's radar. If it's a matter of convenience and they happen to be around a monitor at the time or after the fact, I'm sure people would want to see at least, you know, Walter versus Bate. Uh, but the Royal Quest show, unfortunately, I just don't see many people when they already have kind of like an overflow of like wrestling that they need to watch paying $25 extra to stream that thing live on flight. Uh, just quickly getting back to our schedule as we uh, detour. Uh, Thursday, uh, special edition to the Cafe Hangout. Way and I, we're going to be looking ahead at all the stuff going down this weekend. And joining the show for the very first time is Jamesy from the British Wrestling Experience. He's going to chat with us about this uh, insane weekend that is coming up with uh, with all of the events going down, uh, as well as uh, his recent show with uh, with Alan Cunahan. Well, I'm sure we'll discuss as well. So he'll be on the Hangout live Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. If you're a double double ice cap or espresso uh, patron, you can tune in live and also call into the show. As we'll be curious about your viewing habits for this weekend. Brandon Davy will have a new show out on Thursday with Up Next on their own feed. Friday, we have the return of Rewind Away, where we are going to be reviewing the WrestleCon Super Show from this past uh, WrestleMania weekend, uh, which is going to feature Will Ospreay Bandito in the main event. So you can check that out. Saturday, we get into all the craziness. It's the end of Cruel Summer, as WH is going to have shows with Joel Abraham on Saturday, and I'll be joining him for the final edition of the show on Sunday. And then Saturday night, we've got the All Out Post Show Sunday, it's Martin, Jamesy, and Benno will also be part of the BWE show reviewing Royal Quest and TakeOver UK. Wow, fantastic. That's that's a very full weekend. And uh, in case you want a little bit more, just to look ahead to Monday, uh, John and I were recently guests on our friend Scrump's new podcast, the PWT's Pro Wrestling Tees podcast. So uh, we'll be guests on that chatting about... Uh, Wrestling merch and our own histories with wrestling merch and just in general, uh, a bit of what we do here at Post Wrestling. So subscribe to Scrump's new podcast, PWTs. Awesome. Uh, you can check that out. Um, few news and notes. Uh, 
we mentioned the takeover show in Wales, and they're definitely teasing uh, Cesaro uh, going over there and doing something on the show. I'm assuming it would be a match. And I think they sh- if he is doing a match on Saturday, I think they should announce it ahead of time because I think that will add some interest to this show for non-NXT UK viewers. It could be a match or it could simply be some type of run-in. Um, I mean, I believe his specific words were that he was going to be hands-on or something like that uh, in this, you know, backstage interview. Um, I think of something with Cesaro should be... I wish, like, he said that on the body of the shows themselves. Like, how great would it have been if totally. like, he made the remark on Raw and that was, like, that would be a great way to kind of, you know, give a bit of a tease to NXT UK on a main stage. But um, I think, obviously, Cesaro is a great fit. He would be treated as a megastar in a venue like that. Um, and I think the match that everybody's salivating over is a potential Cesaro-Walter match, which... Uh, I hope they don't just, you know, give away at some point. I mean, it's it, it would certainly be a, a takeover-worthy main event that they could build up to for a next NXT UK show. Yeah, there's there's definitely options. I think it's a it's an interesting thing to do. And I would say with a, with a lot of uh, different things going on Saturday, I think that would be something that if someone's on the fence, they would tune in for. So, yeah, we'll see what he does. But that uh, video went up today. Uh, we also had the Raw number. This was... Interesting from Monday night. So they did 2,527,000 viewers, which was almost the exact same as last week. And the key takeaways from this, the first two hours were largely unchanged. They, they held this audience for the first two hours pretty solid. But then the third hour just declined huge, almost 16% tuned out in the third hour. So the rematch between AJ Styles and Braun Strowman was not enough of a hook for people. Um, so huge decline in the third hour. Um, so I guess you can, you can read that uh, several ways. I mean, the, the positive was the fact that they didn't, the first two hours, like that was really strong audience. But for whatever reason, there was uh, fatigue or just not a whole lot of interest with what was being presented in that third hour that saw uh, a big decrease when we haven't been seeing as big of a decline in the third hour. Like last week, it was like 8% that they dropped in the third hour. So it was double this week that tuned out. Maybe it tells me that they'll continue to rely a lot more on these mysteries. You know, maybe somebody else is going to get attacked and we'll have to wait weeks and weeks and weeks to see, to see footage that was probably there the whole time. Maybe there were people that at the end of two hours, they said, you know what? I've, I've seen a lot on this show, but you know what I could use an apology. I would like to hear an apology. That's what I think the show was missing. That's what that was, That's what fans want these days. Uh, a few MMA notes uh, that I just want to talk about. There's a very significant uh, set of hearings going on this week down in Las Vegas. And this is involving the, the lawsuit that was filed uh, against the UFC on behalf of uh, several fighters uh, led by Kung Lee, but others involved as well. And what they're trying to do in this uh, lawsuit is get classified by uh, the judge that is hearing this so that they can move forward. Uh, And the lawsuit has been pretty much looking at the UFC's business practices and whether or not they have uh, properly paid out revenue to fighters. So it's been uh, a several year long process and this is the latest chapter in it. Uh, But what's, what exactly is the injustice like that? that, Uh, Yeah. Just just in terms of if the UFC has been using kind of a monopolistic practices in their business and 
should be paying out more towards fighters. And of course that like there is uh, these athletes, they are not unionized. They do not have an association. So it has largely been at the discretion of the promoter. And what we're getting here is kind of the uh, release of a lot of interesting financials uh, specifically from the UFC. There's also attorneys involved from top ranked boxing and Bellator and just seeing a side of like, what are these fighters actually making? And in the UFC, it's, you know, it's generally since 2011, it's anywhere from 19 to 20% of revenue has been paid out to fighters. So it's a pretty low amount. Um, and that's kind of where it's been fixed. So, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty long path for these fighters to try and move forward with this. And like their side is arguing that in a fair and competitive marketplace, they'd be getting uh, something like around 47% of revenue being sent out to fighters. And this, obviously, the 20% figure, give or take, is way off from what you'd see in other sports where they have the advantage of collective bargaining and they are part of unions and associations. And that's something that doesn't exist in mixed martial arts. And therefore, you are going to have promotions that are, they're not being held to any kind of, uh, any kind of force that they have to pay anything more than what they they deem is appropriate and the fighters have largely accepted it it makes me really curious to know what those figures might be for the wwe i think it would be even lower um i mean um i mean it's not a sport yes it's it's more i think something they would classify as i don't know performance art or maybe something more similar to tv but the, yeah but if you look at the structure i mean they're very much uh, paid as you know sports programming and it's mm -hmm. you know yes you have your your differences but i think the overall structure is very similar to that of fighters and wrestlers that you have these i mean it's great for these promoters that they don't have a massive group of performers fighters that have been rallying together i mean this is kind of the the most significant um forward steps that we've seen but largely it's been the same in in professional wrestling and in mixed martial arts that no one wants to rock the boat, and we've seen, like, look at these enormous television deals that these fighters and wrestlers have have no stake in. And that is just unfathomable if you were to compare it to any other major sports where that, that's a huge uh, piece of revenue for hockey players, for basketball players. And I'm certain that at some point, a lot of these performers we see today, 30 years from now, they're going to look at, man, this company made a ton of money and... We didn't get nearly our fair share. Mm, mm. So, um, yeah, so this is going on this week in Las Vegas, and it's one that we'll obviously be following this week, but there's a number of reporters that are there on the ground in Las Vegas. These hearings aren't being broadcast or anything like that, so we're kind of relying on the reporters that are there. But this is it, – it's a really important story to be following and kind of the – kind of uncovering a lot of interesting information. And I have links to it in my update today of uh, kind of some of those figures as well from what is out there uh, as well. Um, I'm curious your, your thought on this way. Uh, one championship out of Asia, they announced last year a deal with uh, TNT and mainly it is through uh, BR live uh, where AEW also has a deal with, they're going to run a card on TNT on October the 13th. And this is a card that's going to feature uh, Angela Lee defending her Atomweight title. Demetrius Johnson is going to be fighting on that card. Eddie Alvarez will be. Do you expect any cross-promotion that here is TNT? They have 
a pro wrestling property, and an MMA property. This is going to air on a Saturday night time slot at 11 p.m. It's going to be live from uh, Tokyo. The show will be at Sumo Hall. Uh, do you expect to see them using AEW to try and promote mixed martial arts, or do you see this being separate? I, I definitely can see, uh, you know, commercials. Uh, as far as, the, you know, integration on the broadcast, maybe some, you know, pr uh, plugs and lower thirds. But I, I imagine you would see plugs for these things across all their sports franchises. But I guess any, anything more than just like commercials, like actual um, uh, Demetrius Johnson and Kenny Omega are playing video games together on uh, All Elite Wrestling. Part of me th thinks that, that that would actually sound really cool. Um, I Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that something like that occurred. Um, how much interest they might drive. I, I don't think there's going to be any interest in this card. Um, yeah. Today, I was going through Bellator's uh, ratings for this year. And, I mean, they, they did a good, not a great, but a good number at the beginning of this year for a card headlined by... Uh, it was the finals of the Heavyweight Grand Prix with Ryan Bader beating uh, Fedor Emelianenko. And so they signed the big deal with DAZN. So a lot of their cards have been airing exclusively on DAZN or their simulcast on the Paramount Network. But their numbers this year are just... Like, they are so off the radar, and one championship is that much lower. Um, Bellator's, has the paywall, you know, affected their overall popularity? It definitely has. I mean, I can't imagine that there's a ton of people that signed up for DAZN just to be able to watch Bellator and are spending $20 a month for Bellator. But I'm sure it's taking out some portion of their audience. But I, I, I don't know if it's just maybe with more infrequent cards on the Paramount network and the bigger shows are now on the zone that it's just led to overall indifference. But uh, to, to look at this, this past weekend, they had a card where it got tremendous reviews. There were 14 fights, 14 finishes, and it was a rematch between Matt Mitrione and Sergei Haritanov. They did 285,000 viewers, which is their second lowest of the year. Uh, this is a rematch from February when they had this uh, 15 second fight that ended with a low blow and that card, which had no support underneath it, so it was largely the interest in the main event, did 365000 So we're not talking about big numbers to begin with here, but and I'm just looking at Bellator and where it is in the overall landscape. And one championship, I just can't imagine, is going to do any kind of a number on TNT. Mm, right. Um, I, I look forward to seeing what crossover there might be. Maybe we will get... Um, Especially the other way around. Who from all the elite wrestling is going to show up in one FC? Oh, well, um, I mean, Joey Janela, one <laughs> FC, Joey Janela, Demetrius Johnson. That's what I hey, as we speak. Joey Janela is in Japan right now for uh, for Game Changer, or he might might be on his way back now. But uh, Game Changer did a show in, in Japan earlier this week. Well, perfect. Take a quick flight to wherever the show is. And yeah, tons of uh, tons of crossover appeal at this point, though, it's like. It would clearly be AEW helping out one. It's certainly not vice versa. Right. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into SmackDown. Hey, let's get into a contest. How about oh, that? of course. Of course. The contest. Uh, this is where we are going to give away a post-wrestling prize pack. Every member of the post-wrestling cafe automatically eligible each week to win this prize pack. And let's spin the wheel away. Let us find out who is this week's winner. Uh, are you spinning the wheel? I am uh, spinning. It is uh, the the spinning machine. Is, it takes a while to load. Uh, you know these balls just they they have to be they they have to make their way into the basket. All right, it's spinning. 
doot, 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 doot. The winner is... Congratulations to... Eric Thomas from Yorkville, Illinois. Congratulations. You win a t-shirt, some stickers, and a postcard from Post Wrestling. Congratulations. That's it. That's it. Okay. I, th- I thought maybe you would have um, a... You win. Uh, you are the, the greatest uh, person to ever live. Uh, may we all uh, praise Eric Thomas. Well, this will not be a hand-delivered prize pack to Illinois by waiting. No, no. But this uh, weekend, though, I'm thinking about it, maybe I'll make my way to all... No. <laughs> SmackDown took place from... Uh, the the home of the swamp people, according to Elias, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we got the latest recap of the Roman Reigns story. They have never got so much juice out of a video package than this one. Um yeah, yeah. They they make they make these storylines look half halfway coherent. So he talks about how this has affected his family. Cause I didn't get a SummerSlam payoff because of this feud. He's backstage. Kayla says that Daniel Bryan has demanded an apology from Roman Reigns after falsely accusing Rowan and him. And uh, quietly, Rowan has uh, rediscovered his first name. He is back to being Eric Rowan. Yeah, maybe, maybe like, you know, this was like a case of mistaken identity and it's really made him consider, hey, I need to be, I need to have every type of unique uh, credential I can have. So, decided to add, to add, add that name back in. Maybe. Given the initials, that's a clue of where Reigns is going to send this guy. Wow. Reigns says, I'll save what I have to say for the ring. And he walked off and would not proceed to go to the ring. It would take him two hours to get to that ring. Well, it's easy to get distracted back there. Yes. He is, uh, he must be a a delay texter as well. Says he's going to do something. He does it when he pleases. Sure. Like with two minutes left in the show. Right at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Kofi Kingston comes out and the match is official. Kofi, Randy Orton at Clash of Champions. Surprisingly, nothing attached to this match. No stipulation, just a straight up rematch. Right. Uh, I mean, that kind of tells me that they might be saving that for (laughs) after this. Yeah, of course. We got to get the hell in a cell with these two, which is probably where they are going with this. Probably, yeah, because last time you had the match, but no finish at all. This time you might get the match with an actual finish, and then next month you might get a stipulation added to it. The loser has to admit they are stupid. Um, they got to wear a shirt that reads "stupid" for a year. Oh, okay. I thought they needed some type of like official declaration, like a press conference. Yes, I uh, members of the press, fellow colleagues, I, Randy Orton. Am stupid. <laughs> Any questions? Kingston asks, who was it that got their ass knocked out of nowhere last week? And says, things things have escalated between him and Orton. All this time, he just wanted to, a chance to prove he deserves this top spot. And Orton, Orton made it personal by including his family. And then they tried to take out Xavier Woods. And he said that Orton slithered away last week because he saw inside Kingston's eyes and Randy learned that when it comes down to family Kofi doesn't mess around and he can prove that Orton was wrong about him 
that he was ready then, and he is ready now. And appearing on the screen is Randy Orton interrupting him by saying, Stupid, 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 stupid. Man, I would love like a Randy Orton alarm clock. I just like <laughs> shout at that nonstop at me in the morning. Oh, I, I, I heard this in my head actually today <laughs> from your friends in the chat. <laughs> I did, yes, <laughs> exactly. He says he's going to wait until Clash of Champions. He's not coming out tonight, and he received a letter at his hotel room. And he usually doesn't read fan mail and definitely doesn't reply to it. So I know exactly what kind of friend this guy is. He's he's an ignorer. He's an ignorer. Nice. And he reads the letter from a fan telling him to stop hurting Kofi. He's a good man. Orton is a mean man. And he says it makes Kofi cry at night. Why does he know this? Because Kofi is not just my hero. He's my daddy. Signed, Kai. Kai Kingston. Kai Kingston. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I think I think a, a Randy Orton that threatens your children is my favorite Randy Orton. Who's a better uh, child threatener? Uh, Samoa Joe or Randy Orton? I think they're both pretty damn good. Um, I feel like Orton has, has a bigger track record, but I mean... You know, Joe's had his girlfriend kidnapped. Like, he's been through some shit himself. So, uh... <laughs> I don't know. I think they're they're both pretty good at it. Who has actually abducted a child, though? Abducted a child? Yeah. Um, Eddie, kind of. With Dominic. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, But have Joe or Orton ever actually committed some type of abduction? Yeah, usually it's uh the heel, like takes over it takes the child like uh brainwashes them like of course raven with tyler Ford. raven sure yep i mean joe, a child abduction um, joe, I'm to joe's think. like uh uh done stuff to like mailboxes that's pretty pretty rude what anyway. i want to know what i want to know is if orton gets the best of kofi in this feud and kai takes the journey that Dominic Mysterio has and he comes back for a a showdown that results in young Co young Kingston becoming seasoned veteran Kingston and delivers an RKO to his most vicious hated Randy Orton wow yeah yep that could happen so it turns out that the Kingstons are staying at the same hotel uh, as Randy Orton. So they're on the road with him. I well, guess I mean, permanently. You you would assume that they all stayed in the same hotel, but I thought Orton had his own bus. Well, he's got a um you he's know, got like an RV with like a like he's got a tour bus. I guess so. Yeah. Um whatever. Well, he's Listen. maybe he's springing now that he's champion. Taking his family springing. on the road every week. He's I mean, by having the tour bus, it's the the getting the hotel is part of the inconvenience. Okay, we're we're ruining this. We're ruining this. I thought this was good. I thought <laughs> let's get back to this review. I thought this was good. I like this Randy Orton. You know, uh, but in my mind, I still want that that fiery, you know, how dare you talk about my children? 
type of Kofi Kingston. I mean, even after the Woods attack, which I thought was really well done last week, I expected Kofi to like level up and be ultra aggressive. Instead, like, we still got him doing all his new deisms, which I don't think has any place in in his promos right now. Doing the the who who thing and like and the hip swivel, I, I I feel it takes the edge off. So, Randy says he doesn't need to become pen pals with his son, and threatens to go pay his son a visit. And this prompts Kofi to run to the back. And there is Orton. And they get into a big brawl ending with... Uh, this is like right out of um, a Gracie in action tape. A draping DDT to the floor, which could happen in a street fight. You got to be careful of those those ledges. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out, for those, course, watch out for those Irish whips too. And then Randy says, stupid, stupid, stupid. Which they are really running into the ground. I think it's still working. It's still got some some life left. Um, I I think Orton continues to be so incredibly entertaining that I, to me, the scales continue to tip towards him as far as you know who my favorite is coming out of this feud. It it's getting to the point where he's just so much cooler than Kofi, and I continue to be disappointed that we're not getting that you know more serious aggressive side out of Kofi Kingston that I. I, I feel like, you know, that reaction in Toronto to Kofi really should have been a warning to them that some of this audience is beginning to reject Kofi. And I don't know if they really are taking any of those warnings to heart because I, I don't know. I continue to feel like Kofi's characterization is missing something. I, I think, like, it, it's a small thing, but I also feel that it's it's not like the match that they're building towards. I, I don't think people are generally anticipating the match either. I think the feud's been good. But I I don't know if we have the same kind of um we're not clamoring for for the match no like I I, I don't this style of feud it really doesn't call for this just twenty minute match at the end of it I I think you could get away with just like a really intense personal brawl and it goes eight minutes and I'd be perfectly fine with that that's just mm-hmm. like a sprint and a brawl and the uh, doesn't have to be a pretty wrestling match. The the fact that it's not a stipulation match tells me that they're going to try to prolong this feud, and and that to me takes away some of the, it it, it kind of like spreads the whole thing a little th- thin, you know. Uh, that coupled with the fact that you you know in SummerSlam you got a non finish, I expect you know whatever this match, however this match ends, to be somewhat inconclusive as well. I think uh, it has to with the revival getting involved and the cell keeps them out. I think that's where we're going here. Yeah, yeah, sure, but. You know, by that point, can they manage to keep it as hot? I'm not sure. It'll be a challenge. After the break, we see Big E come out of a room that reads doctor slash trainer. And he announces he is facing Randy Orton tonight. And Kofi will be ready for Clash of Champions. But tonight, he can't say the same for Randy. Yeah. I thought he sounded good. You know, he sounded sounded more uh, more fired up than Kofi, who just had his uh, you know kid mentioned by by Orton. Ali versus Buddy Murphy was our next match in the King of the Ring. They obeyed the code of honor at the beginning, and then Murphy hit this flying knee that dropped Ali to set up the commercial. Comes back, we see Elias watching backstage. He'll be taking on the winner. Uh, Murphy tosses him to the floor. Tope Hero, and then back inside, Ali lands a super kick and a reverse Rana. He climbs to the top, but the 054 gets stopped with Buddy Murphy executing a cheeky Nando's kick, a Kamagoye, and then a brainbuster as we went through um, 
the A block, and then we moved over to the B block. It really is obvious, like, how much Murphy takes his moveset from, like, modern Holy day. Holy Christ. Like, he is, I'm sure, the type of guy that, that'll probably order Royal Quest on Fight live for $25 instead of waiting. Yeah. I call this the uh, the Wii uh, because we got the, the Will, Abushi Ishii combo. Will, Abushi Wii. Okay. Nice. A Nintendo Wii. Yeah. Thanks. He he does uh, like the uh, v, a version of the V V trigger too. If you want oh he does the V trigger all the time. Yeah, uh, we got a tilt a world DDT by Ali with Murphy draped on the middle rope that looked really great, and then Ali hit the four fifty to win this match. Nine minutes seven seconds uh, to set up the dream match between Ali and Elias. Oh boy! Wow. Uh, it, this was a good match. You know, uh, I think just looking at a snapshot of this, it must feel good for anyone on two hundred five live to see like two of their own. Up on a stage here where they received a good reaction, I would say, from this audience. This is after, like, you know, obviously for Ali, like, months of characterization now. And Murphy, I mean, he's got characterization. It hasn't been strong. But what he has done really strongly is perform in front of this audience. And he's impressed, I would say, week after week. So um, he is clearly a babyface now. He's, he continues to, he shook Ali's hand here and, like, held his arm up afterwards for the victory. I mean, I'm not sure how much, how dedicated they are with him. They basically, they're jobbing him out pretty much to everybody and having him like, you know, beaten up by Roman and Brian, but I... Except for yeah. last week, he beats Daniel Bryan. And True. I would say that if you're going to do that, that was the wrong time Dude, to I do it. I forgot about do, that. Damn. Do, do that when you're going to actually get behind this guy. Because to me, if he was losing to Ali, last week was not the time to do that. There will be a time when beating Brian will be very important, but last week was not it. It's like Brian is in a main event program, and Buddy Murphy is losing in the first round of the King of the Ring. So I, yeah. I don't really understand why that win happened last week, seeing what they did tonight. You're so right. Like, I, I already forgot that he beat Daniel Bryan, and I think that that was kind of, I would say maybe even part of the intended effect because they had Brian beat Buddy Murphy up immediately afterwards last week. So your lasting impression is just, oh, Buddy Murphy is still down at this level. They didn't remind us. Did they? I, I think it was mentioned once. I think Tom Phillips brought it up once, but it okay. was certainly like there was no replay of it. To there me, was no like, emphasis on it. Like that's a big enough, you know, win that that you would like have Murphy cut a promo about it, talking about it, celebrating it like it's the biggest win of his career. Instead, this was really not not the type of follow up that I think really made the most out of that victory. So they shook hands after the match. Bailey is backstage, and Ember Moon walks in and asks, Is Charlotte in your head? And Moon says that, Bailey, you beat me at SummerSlam, and I'm still processing that loss. But next time, I'm going to beat you. But don't listen to Charlotte. She isn't the face of the division. You are. You gave me an opportunity, and the best woman won at SummerSlam. There, there is no two human beings that have ever had this kind of conversation in a real life setting other than Ember Moon and Bailey on this night in front of this camera crew. Lacey Evans, uh, any, no. anything I missed on that way? No, I'm just, I, I mean, I try, I try to envision like what, what the actual conversation might've sounded like if, if they wanted to convey the same thoughts, but you know, be real people. Well, uh, a real person, Lacey Evans, walked in and said, Neither is the best at anything. This division needs to raise its standards, and Bailey is bringing the division and the title down. So add this to the list of titles that are uh, 
down the drain in the women's division. She is the face. Moon and Bailey just scoff at this notion, and we find out that Bailey and Evans will have a match tonight. And boy, will they. Yeah. The Miz is in the ring. He recapped last week's segment with Nakamura and Sami Zayn. Uh, you got the lightest Miz is awesome chant you will ever hear. This had to be four people at best. He mocked Zayn's analogy of the two being poets with the same philosophy and called Sami Zayn a stage five clinger to the intercontinental champion Nakamura. Zayn is the spokesman because he can't hack it in WWE and he's just riding the coattails of Nakamura. And Miz makes the challenge to face Nakamura at Clash of Champions for the IC title. So this prompts Zayn to come out. He has liberated Nakamura. The title is no longer Miz's and repeats that Nakamura is an artist and a poet, while Miz is the king of soft style. Miz then challenges Zayn to beat some respect into him. Zayn has no interest in this. So Miz goes after him and gets attacked from behind by Nakamura, who comes out from the audience. Zayn is laughing on the microphone as Nakamura attacks him, and Zayn says that Miz has no respect for poetry or artistry and holds up Miz as Nakamura delivers the Kinshasa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our first week of uh, Nakamura and Sami Zayn as his manager, uh, and I think we've we've come to learn that the gimmick now is that Zayn commentates all over Nakamura. Like, he, he's got a live mic and he does the whole commentary thing. I guess we'll wait to see if it carries over to a match, but... I, I found it worth noting that, you know, both heel and babyface here were putting over Shinsuke Nakamura. So Sami Zayn, unfortunately, is the butt of all the jokes. He's the guy that The Miz says, you know, couldn't hack it. That Therefore, he became a manager. But everybody's putting over Nakamura as a serious monster that's behind him. So I would say, you know, this gimmick might not be so great for Sami Zayn's future potential to become a main eventer. But it seems to be good for Nakamura to be treated and portrayed in this light. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just I just didn't get into any of this. It's not like I hated it, but I just I just wasn't into this at all. It just feels like it was a segment for a match that I'm not holding my breath for involving Miz and Nakamura. But it's it's something for Nakamura, I guess. Um, Elias is sitting in Shane McMahon's office, but Kevin Owens enters, and he says Shane is not here tonight, and he brings up beating Owens last week. Owens thanks him. And leaves. Yep. They, like, he thanked him, like, oh, so he's not here? Great. I can, I have a great plan. What a plan it was. <laughs> Bailey and Lacey Evans, in a non-title match, they plugged that Paige would be on a show called What Just Happened, hosted by Fred Savage on Fox this weekend. Is it going to be about SmackDown? Um... I thought it was going to be about the first four minutes of this match because I must have asked that question several times during some of this wrestling involving these two. Yeah. So let me go through the beginning of this and then we can get into the rest of this. Lacey Evans tosses her gloves onto the floor. The referee removes the gloves and Bailey says, where did they go? And then she yells, arm drag. And Lacey Evans runs at her and into an arm drag. <laughs> that was the start of this. So Bailey 
I tried to figure this out. It looked like she went for a Mahi Straw Cradle, and Evans, I guess, was not aware of what Bailey was going for or what, but this was totally messed up, and they just, like, went back to, like, a neutral position. She gets clotheslined to the floor. This is when Charlotte walks out, and we go through the commercial. Uh, Evans is now holding her with a front chancery, and... Bailey just drops like she like DDTs herself and then it's a gator roll by Evans and Evans starts to work on Bailey's arm and this was where they just simplified things. Evans was just going to work on the arm and they were going to get through this. Uh, Bailey was, uh, let's say, the smoother of the two would be an understatement. She used an Indian death lock, uh, then hit a Bailey to belly, but gets stopped uh with the arms getting slammed into the mat. So she keeps going for that. Evans hits her twisting moonsault off the top. And then we just cut to the floor. And as we're watching the replay of the moonsault, Bailey is now suplexing her off the barricade. And then there's a knee strike, Bailey to belly. Evans grabs the bottom rope. So Bailey hits her with a knee, finally hits a Bailey to belly that keeps her down and hits a top rope elbow to win the match. Uh, the early part of this was, I, I thought this was going to just completely fall apart. That is mm-hmm. what this felt like. It was a mess at the beginning. And I think Bailey just trying to keep this together. And then, you know, once they got into the simpler stuff, like you could certainly make a YouTube edit of this match and it would not look so uh, terrible. But it was like really, really bad at the beginning. There were there were definite like, oh man, real ups and downs of to the match and, and some very glaring rough patches, mainly due to, I would say, Lacey Evans continued, you know, um, do you know how long this exposed. was? What? Do you know how long this was? 10, 14 and a half minutes. Oh, wow. How I mean, are they putting Lacey Evans in a 14 and a half minute match? Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose like last night I, I thought a lot of the women's matches weren't given enough time and you could see the end result being, you know, rushed matches. Whereas, this one did not feel that way, but at the same time, it's it's Lacey Evans who I think continues to show her an experience in many ways. Uh, it was a match that was laid out to be pretty substantial. You know, I thought they had a lot of very... It was well laid out, you know. By the end, they had enough space to tell a story with Bailey's arm. But, um, man, like, Lacey Evans honestly should, I think, continues to be somebody who I, I don't think should be on the main roster yet, not in a role like this, you know, this is somebody who is perfect for developmental. Like she's kind of on the cusp, but like to continue to throw her out there in a, in a long match like this, where I think you're expected to be at a level on the main roster where you shouldn't be fucking up like this. It's, it it just kind of makes the whole division look bad. Like this was someone not main roster ready. Uh, You, you could argue like this level, I wouldn't be putting them on, USA Network on NXT either, which Mm. brings up an interesting question that if, say this was a year ago way, and you've got Lacey Evans, this character that, it's an interesting character to some, but she's very inexperienced. With the new NXT, what are you doing with those performers that they need that experience, but that's that's really not what this two-hour show is going to be on Wednesday night. It's not just getting reps for people. Like, we are in a competitive night, and it's Mm. going to be graded against you know, top level wrestling on the other network as well. Like where, what do you do with these characters that need that experience? And the television is not really that outlet anymore. Yeah. I think, you know, this is where perhaps 
you you think of new content for the network, whether you shoot it, you know, before or after one of these tapings, because like these two hour ta- uh, live 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 to air NXTs, you would imagine either before or after they would tape stuff, right? To me, that's kind of where you get your reps in on the house shows is where you get your reps in. And when you feel like somebody's TV ready, maybe you, maybe you make them, you know, uh, I don't know, put them in some sort of jobber match to at least start them off or, or some type of match where they look good, but don't necessarily win. And then eventually get them ready for TV. Um, they have a lot of hours of content that they need to fill on the network. Uh, and that, to me, is all perfect space for, like, you know, somebody like Lacey Evans to, to get those reps in. Charlotte was ringside for all of this and then just kind of applauded sarcastically. Didn't, like, really had nothing other than she watched at ringside. They didn't do anything after the match. It was just her, I guess, scouting Bailey for the match in, in Charlotte in two weeks. I guess it was just, uh, you know, to continue to build Bailey to look strong by defeating here uh, Lacey Evans. She beat Nikki Cross last week. Um, but to me, she's still definitely missing something as far as her character goes. It's, I don't know if it's a mean streak. I want to see more from her, but it's some, type, some type of evolution I think is, I think is in store. Kayla was with Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. They have not received an apology and they are not leaving this arena until they do. Randy Orton versus Big E. Uh, Orton gets sent into the steps shoulder first. Big E comes out and he's going right after Orton. Uh, Orton gets tossed over the barricade. He's also trash talking, but not in a comedic way either. Uh, I was with you. I, I thought Big E, you got a much more serious version of Big E. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I thought so too until he started to do the abdominal stretch with the spanking. Well, yeah, we can't uh, we can't divorce that from the repertoire. Uh, e missed a splash on the edge of the apron and then gets dumped onto the desk. Go through the break. Uh, Big E comes back with the uh, the belly to bellies, uh, which I think just because this came right after Bailey, maybe these should be the belly to bell ease or yeah, the belly could. to Big E's. Mm. No, you could do that. Yep. Or they could be belly to belly suplexes. The revival come down. The RKO gets blocked. Big ending is stopped. Revival then nail Big E from the floor, sending him into an RKO, and he gets pinned in 846. Mm-hmm. I thought a good match between these two. You know, yeah, I thought it's yeah. it fine. I thought Big E did a good job showing that fire to start. Um, I hate to see Orton sell for that spanking abdominal stretch. That kind of hurt me, especially coming off of like the very serious angle that was just introduced. But I thought I thought Biggie did a good job overall, looking pissed off for Kofi. Now I need to see it from Kofi. The booking here makes sense, you know. The pick off members of the New Day with the help of the revival uh, until you leave Kofi all by himself. I love that they they are uh, continuing to use that 3D for that assisted RKO. It's got a name now. It's the Super RKO. I feel like they could do better. They could do a lot better than that. There's there's plenty. That you, can you know, like, I, I don't know if this was an official hashtag or what, but P- I saw somebody hashtag out there, FTRKO. Okay. How, how good is yeah. that? It kind of sounds like fuck the RKO. Yeah. Yeah. Free the RKO, I think is what they would. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Sarah Schreiber is with Chad Gable, who was asked about being the underdog. He says Shelton can make all the jokes he wants, all the signs he wants, but tonight... Shelton is going to be the one looking up at him tonight. And I said that with so much more uh, conviction than this guy did. And he did not always sound like this. But I think in this character, they have told him to sound as monotone as possible. Because this guy is 
like watching paint dry when he talks now. Do you think that's intentional? I think it has to be because I, he has never sounded like this prior. And he just sounds as he is just trying to give the most dull delivery imaginable, which maybe is what they want. This guy who is just so dull on the outside, but he's this great wrestler. <laughs> oh, God. Like this gimmick sucks. I don't, it I absolutely don't think, sucks. I don't think that concept is really translating to the audience. Be so boring, but so that people will be amazed once they realize that you're this amazing wrestler. Has that Wait, last worked? week he had to turn around and read a "You must be this tall to enter the King of the Ring" sign. Yeah, yeah, and like at the end of this segment, like he had to like he had to like try to act, and I say act like with air quotes. What uh, dejected after after um, Shelton's next joke. Like, I don't know what emotion he was trying to portray here, but, like, it was, like, a long, lingering stare where he was told to emote something. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just still continuing to, to try to figure out this Chad Gable character. He's short. He's That's just, it. Yeah, he's a short guy. Yes. He um, should be, like... I think I think he, they should make him, like, the the bagel guy. <laughs> the bagel guy. You, you know, no, sorry, I'm not even referring to, like... Our 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 little Indian. oh oh I know you oh the, the bagel boss oh that fucking boss. nutcase yeah. yeah he's been he's been training with uh, uh <laughs> Ally right. Quinta yeah, yeah he's been doing MMA training he's doing MMA his punches are the best anyway if they're if they're gonna go make him the short guy like go all out make him mad at the world he's he's just cussing up a storm he can't get a date women just start aren't aren't swiping on him on on tw- on Tinder because he's just. The, he's out to get the world because he thinks everybody is making fun of him behind their back for being short. Shelton walks in, but he can't see Chad because he's so short and then looks down and calls him Shorty Gable and he's looking for him. And Dude's not even that short, is he? I mean, he's not I, all that shorter than like he was pretty much, you know, Shelton's taller, but not a crazy amount. Taller. Okay, how tall is Daniel Bryan? Uh, probably close to Chad Gable. Almost identical, I would think. Anyway. Yeah, so the acting of one Chad Gable, uh, no one will confuse him for Clark Gable. Highlights of Total Divas coming back with Ronda Rousey, Fox Sports highlights, and then Elias is on the throne wearing the crown. He will be King Elias. This is where he refers to the filthy swamp people of Louisiana. And Kevin Owens appears from behind the throne. So this was his grand him. plan. Yes, I'm going to sneak up because I know, I know that Elias will end up going out to that throne tonight. So he fought him into the ring, nearly messed up the stunner, but did hit it. Uh, and the best part of this is that Elias was dead on his back, wearing this 24-7 title that Kevin Owens did not have a care and uh, a, a sliver of interest in winning as he yeah. left. Yeah, like I thought that I thought like the like they gave him like a bit of a long stare here after the stunner. I thought he was going to do it. Oh, but that would have been death for this guy. It would have been bad. Get yeah. saddled with that title. Owens bad. leaves. R Truth sneaks in with a referee, goes for the pin, but Drake Maverick pulls him to the floor. Maverick goes for the cover and pins Elias, and then trips over R Truth while he's running around ringside celebrating. And Drake Maverick has the title again. Hmm. Yeah. So. Maybe now he can consummate his marriage. Yep. 
I feel like I heard Drake Maverick's music for the first time tonight. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I noted that. Yeah. Um, you know, like for Owens, I thought who last week just looked like an absolute idiot. Um, you know, at the hands of Shane McMahon. I mean, the fact that this was like the big piece of comeback, the big piece of payback that they had for him, to me was not enough. You know, not enough to rehab him. Like he needed to set Shane's office on fire. Like he needed to like threaten to, you know, visit Shane's children in the hotel. He needed to do some something sick like that in order to kind of like you know make that, I would say you know Steve Austin Edge kind of a uh, appear again. But to me, this was not enough. Chad Gable versus Shelton Benjamin, King of the Ring match. Uh, Graves is just playing low rent Jerry Lawler here with all the short jokes during this match. Crowd was totally dead for this match, and the deal was like. No one cares about this Chad Gable character, but when the bell rings, they ha- they try to have That's like a great wrestling match. Character. The intended character, yes. Yeah. So Gable is doing uh, everything that he has watched on tapes for years. He's thrown out kapu kicks. He's got this big German. Benjamin then fires back. He does this roll through into an ankle lock. Uh, there's a somersault off the apron by Gable, with sh- which Shelton catches and then whips him into the barricade. Nobody cares. Gable goes for a top rope moonsault, lands on his feet, takes a flying knee from Benjamin, uh, and then Benjamin lifts him up, looks like he's going for a power bomb, and Gable rolls over into a code red and pins Gable. I guess his uh, he was following along with our uh, our results from the Super J Cup on Thursday, maybe. Maybe this was a tribute. 342, Gable wins, and he'll face Andrade next week. This is the best match that you're going to watch that not a soul in this arena cared about other than maybe 205 live but i think 205 live gets a better response than this match did like maybe. no one cared yeah i i felt like it was a match that might have been you know laid out to like steal the show and but like it's just they they could have had a seven star match and i don't think they would have been able to overcome the bad build and in, in the job gen- sorry sorry to interrupt well, just, just the general lack of star power attached to like these both of them comedy figures. You have one guy uh, who, you know, for, for weeks has they've been building as like the guy who makes funny eyes, who doesn't say a word. And then you have the short dude who nobody makes, takes seriously. So, I mean, they're, they're, neither of them are characters that have been on TV in any sort of prominent situation in months, if ever. And to throw them out there with 15 minutes left in the show, I didn't think they really had a chance. No, and it's just amazing. Like, I... I can't even say it was the wrong call because I, I could not imagine them giving these guys a lot of time. But you just look at this match where they were racing through everything. And these two had 11 minutes less than Lacey Evans had tonight. Mm. Right. I mean, yeah, like you said, though, it wouldn't have made a difference for these two, I don't think. So Gable and Andrade, which, again, should be a great match next week, especially if they have time. But who knows if they will or not. I, I want to see what type of short jokes we're going to get from Zelina. Like, probably the shortest person back there. But, like, she's probably going to make some jokes, too. Uh, it's kind of hard for Zelina to make short jokes about Chad Gable. Is she sh- not shorter than him? Well, that's kind of the the funny, okay. isn't it? It's hilarious. Like, I can't <laughs> wait. Roman Reigns comes out for the final segment. And Brian and Rowan appear on the screen. And they want their apology. So Roman asks the crowd, should I apologize? And then he asks them a second time, should I apologize? The crowd is 
rejecting this notion. And Final Cut Pro himself, Roman Reigns, has produced a video. And they show the footage of the lighting rig falling on top of Reigns. And then they isolate a hooded man with a beard who walks by. And Brian starts freaking out on Rowan. And he begins slapping Rowan, calling him a liar. And then sends Rowan away. And Brian gets a microphone. He says he hates liars. He trusted that man for a year. He's been betrayed. He did not know anything. And he enters the ring with Reigns pleading. And Reigns spears him. And we end with the announcer saying that Reigns isn't any closer to getting an answer than he was before this show. Will we find out who is truly responsible? And that's how the show ends. Yeah. I, I mean, it's... It's the same, same reaction. I think you, many of us would have had last week and several weeks before this. It's just like a flat ending, revealing a very minute detail uh, as they continue to string us along, leaving these little clues for the last two minutes of the show. Um, why didn't Brian just say it was like the same guy who drove the car? Uh, to be honest, like when they showed this footage. It looked as much like that guy last week as as Rowan. Like it did, they didn't even do a zoom in. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like you had plausible deniability here. If you're Eric Rowan, it's like, yeah, that was the guy from last week. Yeah. So, well, I mean, for all we know, maybe that's the big twist at the end of the show next week, John. We're getting ahead of ourselves as this terrible storyline continues to move at a snail's pace. At no point have I left like one of these episodes with these like quote unquote reveals without feeling like I, I was just manipulated for a rating here. I'm sure it's working for them, you know? Um, tease this mystery, drag it out as long as they can, but you better have I mean, a, that's what you kind of got to do with but a you mystery. Better, but you better have a, a captivating, you know, uh, 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 point at the end of every episode. You better make this mystery worthwhile for me to stick around for two hours for. Yet, I don't know why I'm still here, because every week I find myself still wanting to know what's next. So I'm t- I'm in too deep now, basically. I would say you're I hooked. Can't turn back. This uh, this might get the Emmy. Yeah, it's. Just... I think I I think to be honest, Brian's been great in this role. Yeah, sure. I mean, for all two minutes, you might get of him every single week. Do you think they're going to do this match at Clash of Champions? Because we've got God. two shows. We've got two weeks left that they've got to set this match up if they're going to do it. Or I, do you? I, s- I pray that they do, and I would think that they would because I can't see another six weeks of this. I would hate it. God. I thought they were going to set up the match at the end here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they're saving it for next week. But, I mean, if, if this is the reason for the match, like, after last week, you'd figure, okay, there's, like, Reigns is going to somehow expose... Oh, this this fake Eric Rowan. But instead, like, I guess his way of exposing was just, like, to find this extra camera footage that happened to just appear from out of nowhere, revealing just as vague of an idea of, like, a man in a red beard who all of a sudden we're just expected to believe is Eric Rowan. See, I think for this thing to have its maximum impact, like, everyone in the world believes it's Daniel Bryan. There's no... There, there, there's no swerve coming. There's no, mm-hmm. uh, there's no intrigue that you're going to get some big reveal at the end. Everything is pointed towards Brian, and if it isn't Brian, it's a letdown. So it's, 
you know, to me, the the maximum impact for this would be that 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 Daniel Bryan was somehow trusted. Daniel Bryan in a in an Eric Rowan suit. <laughs> yes, um, but okay. that that's not what the story is. It's just prolonging Bryan being outed as the one behind it, even though he continues to deny it. So we we don't have that big reveal moment at the end. I don't feel because. That's what everything's pointed towards. That's what they're pointing you to believe each week. Yeah, I guess the idea now is that, okay, Brian says, you know, he... So so I think the idea now is that, yes, it is Eric Rowan. I think, you know, Eric Rowan himself isn't denying it. Um, but what we don't know, what we don't have conclusive proof of is whether or not Daniel Bryan was behind it. So I think maybe next week you will get Eric Rowan perhaps telling the world, hey, Brian put me up to it. Which might lead to the match, or maybe you get Rowan versus Roman next week uh, at the Clash. Which God, I that's just it's just dragging it out too long. Um, but okay. Anyway, anything more to add? That was SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, see what the audience thought. All right. Do you think this topped Raw? Raw got a five out of ten on Monday. Did this top this or, or um, was it lower? Oh man, I'm gonna say yes. I think it'll be higher. I, I think it'll get a six. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> a four point nine two. Raw beats SmackDown. A rarity on our forum. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. All right, Paul from New Jersey. What's the implication with Orton and Kofi's son Kai? I'm also pretty sure Randy yelled shit at a bunch of nine year olds. I actually thought Ember cut her best promo thus far. We disagree, Paul. Uh, Murphy Ali was top-notch. Pretty sure Lacey tagged Bailey for real and received a couple receipts for her troubles. Lacey looked pretty bad, moonsault aside. Roman's delivery could not be more wooden. This angle is awful. I wasn't happy that Murphy lost, but I'm assuming he's going to tag with Charisma Vacuum Reigns at Clash. I I don't know about that. Uh, short, four shorty Gs out of ten. It's Bagel. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, we go to Jalen from Pickering, who says, I don't understand what they're doing with this mystery angle. We get eight recaps and reminders about it every show, but they keep rushing the actual show-closing segments. Uh, I don't think they're rushing it, Jalen. I think they're just, like, they're trying to sep- like split up something that really should take two weeks into something that can last six weeks because they want you to stick around for all these closing shows closing segments of all these shows. Uh, Jalen says, seriously, Big E definitely needs a single run at some point. The rest of the show was pretty nothing, and so was the crowd. Four out of ten. Andrew from Cape Breton. There was a story years ago I heard, which could just be a rumor. Okay, that Triple H didn't want to lose to Kurt Angle because of his size. Jerry Briscoe then told him to challenge Kurt to a shoot fight. Kurt Angle's size? Kurt Angle, like the six-foot-something Olympian? Yes. Uh, The story reminds me of Chad Gable, who in all seriousness could beat the majority of the people on the roster. I know with recent discussions of pro wrestling, with it being performance art, or wrestlers looking a certain way, sometimes it gets lost on us that a lot of pro wrestlers were and still are legitimate shooters. So when you have someone who looks as good as Chad Gable and has the background that he does, why would you go in the direction of short jokes? It feels like WWE's attempt to humanize and make people relatable almost backfires. In a similar way, it has recently with Kevin Owens cowering to Shane McMahon. Why point out perceived flaws or negatives of a guy when they could just smash a guy over by having them beat people? 
Chad Gable literally saved Jason Jordan's career based on his charisma, and Jordan has been in developmental since the FCW days. Gable just seems like a guy that should probably be AEW bound at the end of his contract. Five out of ten. Well, I mean, one of the people who work in the back, who are, who's who's very much in control of a lot of things in the WWE, um, I just don't know how much experience they have trying to make a relatable story for people that are of, I guess, average size. Um, I don't even know if that's... Like, why is that even the idea? Like, if I'm short, I don't necessarily look you know, to like comic books to be like, oh man, a short superhero. I can really get behind that. Um, it's just that no point is to me like, you know, something that I think needs to be focused on. We go to MJ who says, WWE running a King of the Ring match with two former cruiserweights is a is pretty new era. I don't hate it, but would be interested how much, how the match, which went through a commercial, does in the quarter hour ratings. Alexander from Portland, while it was interesting for a week or two, I feel it's time to end the Roman Reigns mystery. At this point, I just hope Brian isn't involved at all. It would be a big disappointment. His shirt was one of the highlights of the night. Other highlights of the night was the smooth finish to Gable Benjamin. Gable is underrated. Throughout the past few months, we've seen a plethora of guys running backstage to find the 24-7 champion. Tonight he appears in the ring, gets beaten down and stunned, and yet nobody tries to pin him. Why? With the next pay-per-view being called Clash of Champions, what championships do you see not being defended on the show? It wouldn't surprise me if Big E and Xavier Woods didn't have any challenger for the tag titles. Uh, they've already set up the revival, haven't they, for that sa- that exact show? I think so. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, so. Woods is supposed to come back. Um, I'm expecting most of the titles will be defended. We got a Jay from Colorado who says, Murphy Ali was definitely the highlight of the night, as was Daniel Bryan's continued amazing heel work. He's always the highlight of SmackDown for me, and I really dig his shirts every week. I'm going to buy me his sloth Wolverine shirt from tonight. I had much higher expectations for Shelton versus Gable, and while it was decent, I was hoping for a huge breakout match for Gable. Maybe next week. Speaking of Chad Gable, I heard this awful rumor a few weeks ago that they want to rename him Shorty G. Well, he called him that on the on the show tonight, yeah. Shorty Gable. I passed this off as nonsense, as no one could ever think it was a good idea except for Vince. Unfortunately, it seems like tonight we got confirmation of that when Benjamin referred him as Shorty Gable. Most unfortunate. On a side note, John, thank you for your recommendation of Enemy of the People by Jim Acosta. It's been absolutely fascinating and horrifying at the same time, and I haven't been able to put it down. It's a very good book. Uh, Dakota from Nunavut. Good evening, gentlemen. First-time emailer. He says, I... Uh, I climbed the tower of Cape Sheridan to adjust the satellite to watch SmackDown. And man, what a treat. I don't think he's exaggerating here. This gentleman, Buddy Abushi, has a future curious. Why does he have a back pocket in his torn trunks? Also, why are his trunks torn? Was he attacked by a when dig? Oh, God. Okay. He says something about Tim Hortons here as well. Thank you, Dakota. Appreciate it. That's our feedback. Oh, dude, Dakota, Dakota's having a, a huge laugh um, at that. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed that, Dakota, from Nunavut or New Jersey, wherever you're from. Oh, for Christ's sake. Did I just get a uh, Brandon rolled? I don't know. All right. <sighs> Any closing thoughts, Way? Um, what are you going to do tonight? It's only 1130 right now. I'm going to go watch Glow. 
Yeah, uh, I've already watched Glow. I mean, I'm tempted to actually continue, but I'm I'm so excited about the rest of this season. I, I, uh, I, I don't know how many people are, are watching along with us, but it's it's been fun, and and they they are great breaks. I would say from the level of storytelling that uh, like we get on the show like this. So I look forward to discussing that tomorrow on the double shot. Double shot Wednesday night. If you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you will get that show late Wednesday night. Who knows what we will be discussing? Uh, Glow for sure. Episodes three and four. So check those out. And then we will be back Thursday with the Cafe Hangout at 3 p.m. Eastern time with Jamesy on the show. Looking forward to that as well. So uh, go check out all the latest news is up at postwrestling.com. You can join the Post Wrestling Cafe at postwrestlingcafe.com. And that's it, everybody. Have a wonderful night. And. We will see you later.